Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, as we sing, as we think about the words today, not just the last song, but all the songs, uh, so much so much that we see is your love for us. And I just pray that these people would really see that uh, and would see it more than just uh, in worship at a church or at a church service, but through the week uh, when there are pressures and anxieties and conflicts and us trying to uh, perform or put our best foot forward that we would rest in your love. You have done it all. You have, you have finished it. Your son, our Savior, said on the cross, it is finished. I pray we would know that. Knowing that, we would rest in that. And we would give our life to you. Uh, that, is, that is the deal. That is, that is the point. That is what it's all about. So help, help us take a step to move in that direction today. Uh, so many of us can be very far off. So I'm thankful for everyone here that you have a word that they need to hear, whether it's from a friend, someone they've just met, from a song, from the message, from a prayer, from communion as we close, whatever it is, I know that you are working, and thankfully I can rest in that. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Hey, thank y'all. Have a seat. Thank you to our worship team uh, for leading us. If you have a Bible, please turn with me. Actually, two passages today, really one verse and then a passage. Turn to Romans 12, where we have been over the last couple weeks, and then turn to 1 John 4. 1 John, not John, 1 John. It's in the back of your Bibles. We have been in a series that we call, or have called, Renew, or Made New, or To Be New Again. And it is something that God put on my heart, convicted me of while I was on sabbatical uh, because I was spending a lot of time, I guess, getting renewed, but also for us as a church body to be renewed. Uh, we are entering a new season, uh, actually coming up next year on a new decade in our church life. And, but I think all of us, past church, past me, past, we need to be made new. And the gospel is about renewing over and over again. Uh, it was a great testimony from the foremans who talked about, you know, thinking, hey, we're on cruise control, but God has uh, more to make them new, and God has something for all of you. Uh, what I like to say, you know, whether you're 8 or 80, God is just beginning in your life. Uh, whether you are 60 or reaching eternity with glory, God is just beginning. Uh, God is the God of new beginnings and making us new. So we've been going through Romans 12. And we've been going through it slowly. And you may ask, why Romans 12? I, I believe that it is a great chapter. It's really a great map or a guide of how you live this Christian life. And over the past couple of weeks, we have talked about being a Christian. As in like, this is the guide to how to live the Christian life. You first have to be a Christian. You first have to understand what Paul writes about in Romans 12. One, the mercies of God. And the mercies of God, if you don't know it by that verse or by that word, that's what we just sang about, how much God loves you, what all he has done for you. That's the starting point. But then 
Paul talks about, if you know that, this is, this is really how you live. Whether you're a student, whether you're in college, whether you're just getting started in life and marriage and kids, looking at kids or kids on the way, uh, or whether you're in a new season, whether that be retirement or midlife crisis. Some of us go through that. So Romans 12, and today we're talking about something that is, well, it's talked about a lot and it's needed even more. We're talking about love. Love. I say it's talked about a lot because just about, I don't know, a lot of entertainment is surrounded about love, songs, shows. And yet you look at our world and there is this, it's almost like a cry out for love. This need for love. We see it in our nation. I mean, the horrific tragedy of last, last Sunday night. I mean, there's so many people that need love, so many people affected by that tragedy, so many people who see it and like, just wonder, man, what, what, what is going on with our world? Need the love of Christ. Need the love of his church. But you don't have to look at it like in a, in a big view. You can just go personally in one person's life or one family's life. I mean, we had a family this weekend, lost a young man. Uh, extended family, and they need love, and you're here, and whether you realize or not, you need love. You know, whether you're a student in, in high school or just growing up or, or college, I mean, so much about our lives, so much about the steps we take is really just to find love. And I'm not talking about the, the romantic love, although, although that's there too. I mean, just to feel accepted, to feel like we, we fit, to feel like and people care about us, you know, community. And that's what, that's what we want to live out here as a family because this family will go on and on and on. God gave us the gift of our earthly families for this earth, but our heavenly families, this is, this is a foretaste of it. So if we talk about love, when you see love in Scripture, and I'm going to read uh, verses 9 and 10, and then I'm going to read in 1 John 4, but I want you to understand this. When the Bible, when you see love in the Bible, so the New Testament was written in Greek. And I'm not expecting anybody to understand Greek. I don't understand it, okay? I'd love to go to Greece. But anyway, it's like ancient Greek. But when it says love, they, there are actually four Greek words for love. Where we just have one word. We have love. And that can be love for family. That can be like brotherly love. That can be romantic love. That can be... Different types of love. So for the way the Bible was written for these Greeks, there was one love that was like family love. Mom, dad, my mom and dad here. I love you, mom, dad. Glad y'all are here, okay? Get that out. There was then like brotherly love, like we said all the time, you know, I love you, bro. Y'all ever said that? There was romantic love, which interestingly, that word, I do know that Greek word, it's called eros. It's where we get the word erotic. Throw that out there too. So there were those three loves, but there was one other word for love. And Christians, and those who wrote the Bible, felt like this was the highest form of love. This was over and above love for family, love for deep friends, love for even a spouse. That this love was greater, and it was called agape. And why was it bigger? Why was it greater? 
It was self-sacrificing love. And you could do this love over and above these other loves for friends, for family, for a spouse. Because you could love them and not sacrifice yourself for them. You get what I'm saying? So when we see love and when I read love here in Romans 12 and in 1 John 4, that original word was the agape. That this was someone, Jesus, sacrificing themselves for us. And that we, as his followers, should do the same. So let's read Romans 12, 9 and 10. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. I love that verse. I love that. We're going to get into that. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Simple verse. Then verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. There he's talking about the church. He's talking about us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, if you're there, flip to... 1 John 4, if you've got your finger on it, if you don't, just listen to me. I'm going to read verse 7 through 21. It's a longer passage. 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only Son, into the world so we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or his sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. All right, we're going to come back to parts of that. But I want to talk about at least four things today. Real quick. I'll talk about love... For our enemies, I know, newsflash shocker, we have enemies. Newsflash shocker, I've got enemies, okay? For real. Loving those who are different from us. Loving our church family, so those here. And then love for, and this is probably the toughest, yourself. So even self-love. 
And then I think I'm going to close with, what if you just don't feel love and you just don't like feel God's love? Because some of you do today. And I know some out there do. So let's go. Let's get going. First off, we'll start with what's easiest, right? Love for our enemies. Amen? Amen? (laughs) Romans, amen. Thank you, sister. I know you were here when you were here, okay? Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. So I think when we start talking about love for our enemies, we then need to say, as Christians, if we are to partake in this Christ-like love, don't be hypocritical. And I believe, and I'm no expert, but I do believe that sometimes we, in where we live in our context, uh, I know I can be some of the Sometimes the most hypocritical, okay? So I'm not saying anything about you, me. And what I mean is like, man, I love you. <laughs> and in your mind, you like, I detest you. Yeah. Okay? You know, are you blankety blank, you know? Or, man, I, I know you're scheming and doing your little thing. But man, I love you, care for you, all that. I, can we stop that? Can we stop that and even not go on the other side and be like, you know, you blankety-blankety-blank, okay? I think you can. I think, as I said at the beginning, Romans 12 gives us a map. Because it says here, let love be without hypocrisy. So sometimes the most loving thing we can do is simply to tell the truth. Tell the truth how we feel. Now, I think that may start with a close brother or sister and saying, you know, I, I have these... I have, I have these horrible feelings about so-and-so. I know so-and-so has stabbed me in the back, has done I know this person is gossiping about me. And I, I, I don't know what to do about it. I see them around and about. And then I'm yet called to love them. And I got a pastor who says, you know, love and all this. Well, let it be without hypocrisy. Something was, I heard this word this week, and I have to say I disagree with it. Uh, Beth Moore, hey, Beth Moore's great great ministry, but she has a phrase, you know, fake it until you make it. I, that's not, I, I don't agree with that, okay? I don't agree fake it until you make it. Because then you start living a life of faking it. Like you might, what if you don't ever make it? What if you're just faking it all the time? So you're like, well, what do I do? Well, first, first we, we tell the truth, I think to brothers and sisters, and at a point we may have to tell the truth to that person. That's tough. And that can stir the pot, stir up conflict. But sometimes it can be the most loving thing we can do. Uh, but something that has helped me and is helping me, and I really encourage y'all, is to pray for that person. Pray for those people. Pray God, God bless them. I mean, no, God seriously bless them. And melt their hearts and melt my hearts to them. Because God is at work and he's doing things. And there are people we have conflict with, there are enemies, and a big part of the church is talking about how to, how to deal with enemies, how to deal with people we have conflict with. So, real quick would be, you know, don't fake it. Speak the truth. If you can't speak the truth to them, find someone you can speak the truth to, and then pray for them. And I do believe God, God will lead, God will lead you to clarity. He's done so with me with some folks, with others, he's getting me there. But let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, Second, loving those who are 
uh, different. Loving those who are uh, different. Let's go to let's go back to First John four. Okay. First John four. You know our theme verse at this church has been has always been John ten sixteen, not First John John ten sixteen. And Jesus says there are others who are out there, and He says I must go to them. And so trying to have this heart for people who are different, other people. They may look a certain way, they may think a certain way, but that Jesus loves them and so should we. Now, that's just not my opinion, that's what it says in the Bible. If you look here, verse 16, or halfway through verse 16, it says, God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is so also are we in this world. Let me stop right there, okay? What does that have to do with loving people who are, who are just different? Like who you just wouldn't hang out with, uh, you wouldn't go to dinner with, you, wouldn't, you really don't want to be in the same social club, group. Like, Well, it says this. If we love Jesus, and if Jesus is in us, then verse 17 His love makes us complete so that we may have, it says, confidence in the day of judgment. Now, let me be clear because I've talked to some folks about this around here. When you're saved, you're judged on the cross. That's what being saved means. Like Jesus, God said, you know, because of what Jesus did, you know, you're you're not saved because of anything you do. So there's no judgment. And yet all of us will stand before God. So I think what this means is that often God will say, kind of like that story of the Good Samaritan, the parable. God may say, man, I put all these people in front of you. You know, what did you do? You got the pearly gates. I've built your mansion. You've got salvation. I'm not talking about that, but they're like all these other people that you come across. What did you do? Did you love them? You're like, why do you say that? I say that because the end of that verse, it says, because as he is... And that he would be Jesus. So also are we in the world. All of us are, we meet, we come in contact with so many people, some of whom we like, some of whom we may not like, some of whom we not jive with. And particularly the church. I mean, this is an open gathering. Anybody and everybody is welcome. We always want to say that. And yet you have a lot of different people that at least have to hang with each other for, I don't know, we try to keep it an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, maybe push in an hour 30 sometimes, but you got to kind of get together and you got to do that weird meet and greet time, you know, and I know that. And, but I do think, I think there are no accents in Christianity. The people God brings into your life are there for a reason. Many of them are different. And, you know, do we love them? Do we minister to them? Do we seek out their needs? Because as he is, we are to be in this world. A world that needs love. And if you even go back to the enemies, and I didn't bring this up, but if you, if you finish that passage that I read, it says, you can't love God and say, I hate my brother and sister. It says that's impossible if you're a Christian. And if you can do that, then maybe you should check your conscience or heart or spirit or Christian faith. It's impossible. So first, those who God just brings in our midst, but then secondly, those that we have conflict with, 
This love of God that we sang about is supposed to change us. And I'm going to close with that argument. Like, what if it just does? I don't feel it, okay? I'm going to get there. But showing you the map. Let me give an example of me, how I was an other, how I was different. I did this last Sunday, too. But so I'm in this pastor's group of six of us pastors. We have one coach mentor who, and there are pastors all over the country, so it's not a Mississippi thing. Several, two, three from the southeast, though. So we get together a couple times a year. I told, I've told you all about, or some of you all about, we were together in August. So one of the pastors, he's in South Carolina. Uh, this is not the baseball guy. I've talked about him already. This is a dude in South Carolina. And so I like throwback T-shirts. Anybody know what a throwback T-shirt is? You know, it's, it, does anybody know what a throwback T-shirt is? That means, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I love throwback T-shirts. Uh, I've had some folks in this church give me throwback T-shirts. I wear them with pride. Got a couple Star Wars throwback T-shirts. I mean, I do it. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it just like, I think it's, I do think it's cool. It's probably kind of weird. But I got one throwback T-shirt. And I know it always brings up a reaction, okay? Somebody here gave it to me. She is Barbie Grace. <laughs> no names, but uh, it's a, I, I saw her wearing, I said, I like your t-shirt. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but you know, hey, let's be real. So it is, it's a Reagan Bush 84 t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I, people have asked me, it, who remembers, like, where do you, or where do you and Linda stand politically? And we always... Uh, we, we don't say that, but at the same time, I like this T-shirt, so I was wearing it. I don't wear it as much around here uh, because it can bring up, I mean, you're a pastor. We welcome everybody. I mean, it brings up reactions, but I'm telling you also, I was in this pastor group. I wore it one day. I mean, we were just chilling, hanging out. It's a T-shirt, shorts. It's in August. It's hot. And uh, busted it out. It always brings up conversation. So this one pastor from South Carolina, he's like, man, that shirt offends me. And... First, I was joking, but he wasn't joking. And he started bringing out, like, policies, you know, that uh, he felt hurt uh, the poor. And he's like, you know, that offends me. And we were, uh, so I was like, man, I mean, uh, bro, I, I, I it's like, kind of like now. I was like, I don't know, don't know what to say. I'm not trying to offend you. Uh, I had this T-shirt, but some things we do or how we look may offend people. And, again, pastor's group. But I said, look, man. Dude, I love you. I'm not trying to offend you. Uh, I just like throwback T-shirts. Uh, you know, give me a Democrat one, and I'll wear it too. And uh, I think he's going to give me that one. So I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you'll see me wearing it around here or not. But if it, you might. But the the point I'm trying to make is this guy and I. We knew we were were different, even though same region, southeast. But we've had conversations uh, since, and and it wasn't ever like a button heads. It was just like you know. We may have some differences, but uh, he's a runner. I'm a runner. We run every time we're together. I was with him this week. We ran. We jogged, and he actually, uh, he's, really, uh, he's really interested in our ministry to India. He and his wife lived in India two years, okay, and I'm trying to get him to go with us, so he's a brother. You know, what I'm, my point is, you know, you have brothers and sisters, and none of us are robots. None of us are the same. God makes us different, and it is to kind of work through, even talk through. And that was an extreme difference, but there are uh, other extreme differences that we need to be open about. I want to make this a place of openness. I mean, there are divisions uh, in our society, uh, and 
I'm very passionate about this, and it's like the, the first step is to alienate yourself, or it's like, oh, they're different, so I'm backing up. When I say move into those, there's a difference, says, yes, about uh, politics and issues, sexuality. I mean, we as a church need to be a light and be an example and say, man, I, I love you, and we are, we are different, and yet I love you. And not based on an opinion or a feeling, but based on this here. Okay. Third, real quick, loving our church family. Now, we do that well, but really, we kind of say we do it well. You know what I mean? We like to say, or I like to say we do it well. I think we could do a, um, I think every church could do a much better job. Supernatural love filled, serving one another, serving our neighbor. Uh, Romans 12, going back there, verse 10. I was asked to... Let this be my theme verse for my sabbatical by that mentor coach of that group of pastors that I just told the story about. Verse 10, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. And what this mentor said to me was, he said, you know, I think you should start and use your own family, your wife and your kids, Almost like, a, like an example, like a laboratory where you practice living out Romans 12.10 over and over again every day. Outdo them in honor. What would it look like? We say, man, we love each other, we're family. What would it really look like if we lived out verse 10 to outdo one another in showing honor? In honoring brothers and sisters here. That's a lot different, in my opinion, than just saying, you know, we're a family and we love one another, but you're like always making an effort, like how am I going to outdo, and I love that because I'm competitive, how am I going to outdo this person in showing honor and showing grace and showing love, in serving? How are you? I'm checking in. What can I do for you? Uh, Do you want to visit? I mean, that's kind of my nature as a pastor, but like that we had, you know, 200 pastors here that are outdoing one another in honor, that are caring, that are, that are loving each other. I think it's a great challenge. Going back to 1 John, you know, why should we do this? Not just Romans 12.10, but 11, 1 John 4. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. That's talking about the church. That's talking about churches there. First, because he's the Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe, we claim that what's going on here is not just some dude standing up talking. Even some dude standing up talking out of God's word or people singing or all of us singing or all of you listening or some of you listening We believe the Holy Spirit is like rolling. Like the Holy Spirit orchestrated all this. The Holy Spirit, you know, planned the message even. Uh, As Hunter said at the beginning, he knows why you're here. You're here for a reason and a purpose. Maybe it's a nugget. Maybe it's the whole deal. Maybe it's seeing somebody you need to reconcile with. I don't know, but we believe that this is a supernatural event I do. Like, no program. That's why I get passionate and why I also get, um, 
I get conflicted. I get frustrated when people see church and, and God is doing a work on me in that, but, you know, see it just as a program or just ho-hum or blah, blah, blah. Man, I get fired up about other things too, sports, you know. But, like, this, it's not a supernatural deal that's going on out there. And, you know, yes, God's working, but the church is plan A. There's no plan B. I mean, this is, you're like, well, what does it say about the church here? Well, we testify. So we're here testifying as a group. So we're here, the Spirit's here, and we testify. So we're called to, called to love one another deeply, deeply, deep love. And we're called to outdo one another in honor. So I would, I would cast the challenge, throw the gauntlet. Could we, could you, like I did, start with memorizing Romans 12.10? And then, and I know some of y'all are like all in with Bellwether, but begin, you like, how do, how do I be all in? Well, outdo people with honor here. Outdo them with honor. Can you do that? Are you just outdoing people that you want to like or like you outside these walls? Because we all do that. So you don't need a map with how to charm people. Okay? But what about here? Just a challenge. Last thing, or last, last point. Um, and this is most important. If you remember nothing else, you need to know this. If you, if you haven't heard of anything so far... You need to hear this. If you really wonder how to do all these things, this is how you do it. It's love for yourself, but that starts in you knowing truly that God loves you. And it's easy to say, and it's a cliche, it's a Sunday school answer, but many of you don't. How do I know that? I know that always I haven't. How do I know that? Because when you spend your life, or most of your life, uh, trying to earn favor from people or God, or when you spend your life tr- like really trying to earn your salvation, like, well, if I get this group of friends and this job or this career, or if I, uh, if I look this certain way, then you know, I, I will get uh, the love that I'm really searching for. And so many of us really don't get or know the love God has for us, and that is the only thing that will ever fill us up. And sustain us. Back to John, John 4. Start at the beginning, verse 7, what I read. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, Read you two excerpts from a devotion. This is from a book. uh, It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, It's something I need, Emotionally Healthy and Spirituality. It's a book that I was asked to read for uh, Acts 29, A Condition. Uh, to be an Acts 29 member, which we're moving into. But this is a, let's see, it's from a guy named M. Scott Peck. Anybody ever heard of M. Scott Peck? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, a few. He wrote a lot on a most emotionally healthy spirituality, but he gave this story about, like, loving yourself or knowing God's love for you, which allows you to, to really not have to prove yourself. He said, 
He said, this happens to me all the time. He said, I'll talk to someone, and then I realized that for the entire 10-minute period, when I had seen this acquaintance until that very moment, I had been totally self-preoccupied. For two or three minutes before we met, all I was thinking about was the clever things I might say that would impress him. During our five minutes together, I was listening to what he had to say only so that I might turn it into a clever rejoinder. I watched him only so that I might see what effects my remarks were having upon him. And for the two or three minutes after we separated, my sole thought was of those things I could have said that might have impressed him even more. I had not cared a whit for this person. Um, that ever happened to anybody? Like you're having a conversation, you're like, well, what do I say next? What is going to look good? What is gonna look, how am I going to look good? Am I going to look you know, cool? Or what, what should I say? He goes on to say, this happens to people in their 20s, their 30s, their 50s, their 70s, and their 90s. We remain trapped in a pretend life, always seeking the approval of others. True freedom comes when we no longer need to be special in other people's eyes because we know we are lovable and good enough in Christ. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? Everybody should raise their hand. And I know, you know, I'm trying to get you loose. So everybody should want that. And so many of us, not you, us, and we just, we just want other people's approval. And we don't know we have everything we ever need, want, dreamed of, imagine. In Christ. Now, last thing, the very last thing, because some of you are like, it's nice, man, it is 1140, you're pushing it. Um, I, man, I don't feel this. I don't feel your love. I don't feel love here. I feel darkness. You know, some of you, I mean, I hope you're not like this, but I'm realistic. I am. I'm realistic. Um, I'm just glad you're here then. I'm glad you're here. We got, we got to walk. We got, we got to take steps. But some people are like, man, I just don't feel God's love. I'm not even, I mean, I know, I just don't feel God's love. I read this devotion last night, and it was late. And I was texting uh, two brothers, although there are three brothers that are over in Calcutta right now, Calcutta, India. And they were, yeah, it's, you know, how God works. So, like, it's like midnight, I'm up, I stay up late Saturday nights. And I read this devotion on Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and they're serving at Mother Teresa's house, like, right then, right then. And so I text, and I was like, man, y'all, Mother Teresa's like, yeah, you know. And I'm like, man. So I send this devotion because uh, Mother Teresa, she gave up a wealthy life. She was European, moved to Calcutta, which is a hellhole. And some of us have been there. It is a hellhole. I mean, they call it the armpit of India. That's a bad armpit. Okay. Um, and she gave all of it up. But she said, you know, we look at her, or some people look at her and revere her as like a you know, just great, but she writes about her darkness and not feeling God, not sensing God. She said, I try to raise my thoughts to heaven. There is such convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. Love, what we're talking about here today, love, the word, it brings nothing. I am told God loves me And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. In spite of all, this darkness and emptiness is not as painful as the longing of God. Before I could spend hours before our Lord, loving him, talking to him, 
And now not even meditation goes properly. Yet deep down somewhere in my heart, that longing for God keeps breaking through the darkness. My soul is like an ice block. I have nothing to say. And it says, Mother Teresa came to realize that her darkness was the spiritual side of her work, that she was sharing in Christ's suffering, a treasure for her and her unique work. She eventually wrote, I have come to love the darkness, for I believe that it is a part, a very small part, of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth. So for those of y'all who are in darkness, you are not alone. Uh, God's word says you're not alone. Christian testimony from brothers and sisters across the centuries and here today says you are not alone. And we should be the church that that shows people that because people are going to be walking in darkness. And for those of y'all who are just starting out, I mean, when you're like, how to love, how to do this love, back to John, 1 John 4, we love because he loved us first. And through, as, as David, Psalm 23, through the peaks and through the valleys, even the valley of the shadow of the death, we can only love because God loved us first. And he did so by sending his son, John three sixteen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That is it. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be rich, you're going to be wealthy. I hope you are, but I can't promise it. That you're going to live a long, healthy life. That you're even going to be this sold out, all in. It does mean God loves you does mean he sent his son for you and it does mean that we we can respond so let's respond today let's pray first lord jesus let us respond thank you for these people most of all thank you for your love your love for each and every one of them help us now help us in the joys help us in the darkness see it's all about you jesus in your name amen